You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to a playoff edition of the Chicago Audible. Uh, man, I don't think it'll ever get old saying those words to intro in a show for our Chicago Bears. I'm your host for today, William Ingalls, and we are going to be breaking down some wild card matchups of the week, along with three keys that will grant the Chicago Bears their first playoff victory since 2010. I could spend more time hyping up the situation, but I think you and I are already ready just to get into the meat and the potatoes. So we're going to kick it off with our five key matchups here, and we're just going to Get right into it with matchup number one, Cody Whitehair versus Fletcher Cox. This matchup is really interesting to me because we haven't really seen Cody Whitehair go one-on-one against one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL. So often we've kind of seen him in this assist role. I think specifically back to that Sunday night matchup where it was him and James Daniels mostly shutting down Aaron Donald. And I know there were a number of snaps where Daniels is holding his own against Donald, just that mono-e-mono matchup. But you see so many times in that game that Cody Whitehair is constantly sliding over, or at the very least, his head immediately after he snaps the ball is looking at Donald. That is not going to be the case in this game. The Eagles love to line up their defensive tackle and Fletcher Cox right over the center. And it's going to be a fun matchup to watch because Cody Whitehair, if you ask me, has had a relatively solid season blocking, but he's going to be going against a guy that has 33 tackles on the year and 10 and a half sacks. Any defensive interior guy that has over 10 sacks in a season is just kind of in a breed of their own that is so hard to get that kind of pass rushing productivity out of a guy who consistently lines up on the interior. going to be really fun to watch these two guys go at it for the majority of this contest. One extra thing I'd advise everyone to watch for this game and something that could proved to be a major factor is Cody Whitehair at times has struggled with snaps this season, mostly in the early going, but a little bit in that Giants game. Part of that was on Chase Daniel not being able to handle the snap. Part of them were on Whitehair for being a little bit erratic. But in this time of immense pressure, now you got to remember, not a lot of Bears have playoff experience. A few of their veterans that they brought in via free agency, think Trevathan, think Trey Burton, have playoff experience. Guys like Whitehair do not. This will be their first taste of postseason action. So you're already talking about a time of a lot of pressure, a pressure that they aren't used to feeling to this point, and he's going to have his hands full with his assignment as well. Could this possibly have a bearing on how well Cody Whitehair snaps the ball throughout the game? That's something we're going to have to watch, something we're going to have to see for a young player to rise to the occasion when the circumstances are going to be very difficult all the way around and a lot of pressure. Overall, really fun matchup against one young player who's played really well this season against someone who has played really well for a long time in Fletcher Cox. going to be a great matchup to watch. Now on to matchup number two, we have quarterback Mitchell Trubisky versus safety Malcolm Jenkins. Now, there is this national narrative around Mitchell Trubisky that he is not a good enough quarterback to lead the Bears on a Super Bowl run, and that's going to become evident when they play against a reigning Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. 
Will I have a little bit of a split that might sell a different story? They like to look at the last three games that he's played and say he's only scored three touchdowns in the last three games. He had that really bad turnover against the 49ers on that goofy option play. He is not playing well enough. If you look at the yardage shoulders, they're not great either. And if you just looked at the stat line, I guess I could understand where you come away with that conclusion. If you were to look at those games, you would understand that he's been a very he's been a very efficient passer in those games, was phenomenal on third down, especially against San Francisco, and especially against Minnesota. Really great third down performance in that game. And if you ask me, that Packers game that he played three weeks ago was perhaps the best game he's played in a Bears uniform. The Bears absolutely won that game because of the performance of Mitchell Trubisky more than anything else, if you ask me. However, this gets me back to the split that I mentioned just a little bit ago. When playing at Soldier Field, Mitchell Trubisky is a great quarterback. I'm going to throw some stats at you here. A little bit lower completion percentage at home. He is 64% opposed to 70.5% on the road. However, this is where the numbers get really good. 19 touchdowns to 9 interceptions. When's the last time you can look at a Bears quarterback in any split, in any metric, and say that they had that great of a touchdown-interception ratio. If you compare that to being on the road, he only has five touchdowns to three picks. And I understand those numbers are a little bit low on both sides, touchdowns to picks, because he didn't play two of the away games this season, away against Detroit during Thanksgiving, and then obviously the next week against the Giants. That said, that skew is phenomenal. And that even transcends to his rushing game as well. He has 309 of his 421 yards rushing at home. That's about 7.5 yards per carry when he's at home when he tucks and runs the ball, opposed to about 4.5 yards when he's on the road. Now, I understand where these these kind of arguments will come if they progress past this round. However, they act just because he is now in the playoffs that all of his flaws will be exposed. Well, I can tell you at Soldier Field, he has a great fighting chance. However, he is going to have to be wary of one specific player in the Eagles secondary, and that's going to be Malcolm Jenkins. He is currently their leading tackler, has 97 tackles on the year. You know if you have listened to these podcasts throughout the year for my matchups that I very much care about the person who is getting the most tackles on the team. That is very often the player who is all over the field for a quarterback that's very important to recognize. And Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who has a nose for the football as well. Those numbers are entirely prevalent this year. He only has three forced fumbles, which is pretty solid for his safety. Eight passes defended and only one interception to his name this season. But he is a guy who has always had a nose for the football in the NFL. One of the better safeties in the NFL, if you ask me. Mitchell Trubisky, though he has played very well at home, though I'm very confident in him playing well at home, he is going to have to be looking out for Malcolm Jenkins. The Eagles have an overall very depleted secondary, but Jenkins has stayed there throughout. He has been a mainstay on that secondary for many years, and Trubisky is going to have to keep an eye on him. Two great players, Trubisky, great player at home, Malcolm Jenkins, a very good safety overall. Going to be fun to watch these two duel it out on wildcard weekend. For matchup number three, we are going to flip to the defensive side of the football for the Chicago Bears, and we're going to kick it off in the trenches with Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle versus center for the Philadelphia Eagles, Travis Kelsey. Now, if there is a forgotten member of the Chicago Bears defense, it is Eddie Goldman. He does not have the role that spotlights him in the way that a Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Danny Trevathan, or Akeem Hicks does, but his role is so important each game, each snap for the Chicago Bears. As a nose tackle in a 3-4, I've mentioned this a couple times, it is paramount that you are absorbing two gaps or at least two guys. That is absolutely necessary to make sure that your linebackers and Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are able to get to their gaps because if two guys are going on the nose tackle and all of a sudden that's opening up at least an avenue for one of those linebackers to go make a play in the run game. So 
he is going to be absolutely paramount in getting this middle push for the Chicago Bears, and he's going to be going against one of the more underrated, perhaps not underrated after the Super Bowl run, and after a very memorable speech, I can even admit that, following the Super Bowl run in Travis Kelsey. He is a bit undersized, but he makes up for that in technique and a lot of strength. And why these two are so important for this game is because that middle push is paramount when it comes to a quarterback like Nick Foles. Not someone like Trubisky, not someone like Deshaun Watson who can scramble out, very comfortable scrambling out. If there's that middle push, it's going to be very difficult for Nick Foles to get out of that situation. He's not a guy who likes pressure up the middle. He can move if need be, but that middle pressure really messes with him. In a mobility standpoint, he's a lot closer to Tom Brady than he is to a Mitchell Trubisky, I guess, if I had to make an analogy out of it. So this middle push makes a huge difference. And plus, if he's getting pushed up the middle, you have guys like Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack rushing off the outside to all of a sudden close that pocket in so much faster. So if that middle is getting pushed up, he also has no pocket to step into either which the Eagles, when they like to take shots, they have guys that are capable of getting downfield and Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously deep threat targets. If there's no pocket to step into, all of a sudden that velocity can't get on the football and that field becomes all that much shorter for the Chicago Bears defense. And then obviously that middle gap is going to be very important for the run game as well. I'll mention that a little bit more in the three keys. Cue the B spoiler alert for that one. But this matchup, absolutely key for making sure that the Bears are winning that point of attack up front. And like I mentioned, if Eddie Goldman is able to rush up the middle of the field, displace Nick Foles early on in that progression, take away that pocket to step into, the Bears are going to be sitting pretty, especially with ball hawks like Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller in the fold waiting for those balls to come to them. And for matchup number four, we're going to go from the guy with perhaps the least amount of spotlight on him for the Bears defense to the guy with arguably the most spotlight on him, and that's going to be Khalil Mack versus Jason Peters, tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Mack has one game of playoff experience, 2016 with the Raiders. He had 11 tackles in that game, but he did not get to the quarterback once. No sacks. This season, he has 12.5 total sacks on the year and amazingly six forced fumbles, obviously forced fumbles from a pass rushing standpoint. Game-changing plays. Now, some interesting history. Last year when Cleo Mack was matched up against the Philadelphia Eagles, he had very little production. He was matched up against Lane Johnson, did not get any sacks. However, the difference is going to be that the Bears line up Cleo Mack on both sides of the football. He has 227 pass rush snaps from the left side, 214 on the right side. Defense is right side, so he's going to be going against the left side of the offensive line, which is where Jason Peters lines up. And this is important to mention because only 8% of the snaps in last year's game where Khalil Mack played the Eagles were against Jason Peters. He does not have a lot of experience against Khalil Mack. Now, there is tape and there is actual NFL snaps. And when it comes to going against a guy like Khalil Mack, I think you would rather have the experience of NFL snaps rather than game tape. Because when you watch that guy play, it is it is amazing to watch, but it is another thing to try to fight that with actual technique for an, for an offensive line standpoint. So where a lot of Eagles fans might feel comfortable in saying that we have seen this guy before and he got one quarterback hit in the whole game and no sacks... Well, now all of a sudden, you not only have a defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, he likes to move him across the line. You also have a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience in stopping him. And you also have a defense overall that is able to rush from a lot of different standpoints. I mentioned earlier, Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, turning it on and having a very good years as well. So now you have a whole lot of... Uh, variables added in. You no longer are just worrying about Khalil Mack from a pass rushing standpoint. You have to worry about a number of other guys as well. 
So now this is why I have Khalil Mack versus Jason Peters because you don't have that familiarity that Lane Johnson has. And I think that you are going to see Vic Fangio try to line up Khalil Mack on Jason Peters for the majority of this game because that's a big mismatch if you ask me. I think that combination of speed and power that Khalil Mack has will be very good against an aging Jason Peters. He's played very solid this year, but I think that it is a mismatch to put Khalil Mack in a one-on-one situation against Jason Peters. It's just the question of how much they're going to be able to get that one-on-one matchup. And if he isn't getting that one-on-one matchup, how much help is being committed to Khalil Mack and how much is that freeing up the other guys? Either way, key matchup here. Going to be interesting to see the chess game that Vic Fangio plays with Khalil Mack, getting him on separate parts of this offensive line, getting him away from Lane Johnson, who... In one game, stopped him. That's not indicative of how he'll stop him this year. Like I mentioned, all those pieces, different variables, different from the Raiders game last year for sure. But like I said, fun chess match. Two very good players at the end of the day. Probably upper echelon in the NFL going at it. And like I said, biggest player for the Chicago Bears aside of spotlight is going to be back in playoff action for the first time since 2016. A lot of fun to watch all the way around. And here we go, matchup number five, my game breaker of the week. And this is going to be a different take on matchups than I have ever done it before. I have the likes of Danny Gervathan, Roquan Smith, Adrian Amos, and Eddie Jackson all against Zach Ertz. And I know this is going to sound a little different at first, but here's the thing. Zach Ertz has 156 targets on the year. The Eagles have 599 total pass attempts. That is 25% of the passing game targets to one NFL player. If you look at his other stats, 116 receptions, 1,163 yards, 8 touchdowns. Those are all nearly a quarter of the Eagles offense in those respective categories as well. That is absolutely insane. 25% of the offense going through a single player, especially in the receiving game like that, is almost unheard of. Especially when you have other weapons like the Eagles have with an Alshon Jeffrey, with a Nelson Aguilar, guys who are capable of getting those types of numbers. Even guys out of the backfield like Darren Sproles and Josh Adams, all those kinds of guys. It's very surprising to me that 25%, that's just a staggering number. And I think that the way that Vic Fangio and the Bears are going to combat this is with a number of different players. And that's why I have four of them listed here. I don't think we're going to see one look because that will allow the Eagles to scheme Zeckert's open more easily. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot of bracket coverage between the linebackers and safeties. I think you'll see Trevathan handing off to Jackson or Smith handing off to Amos or maybe switch and interchange any of those. They are not going to let Zeckert's get lost in this, if you ask me. And I think it's going to be the combination of those four within some kind of capacity. Sometimes they'll get matched up one-on-one. Sometimes, like I said, there'll be bracket coverage. Sometimes they might even double cover him at this point because if you ask me, he is by far and away the most important weapon on this Eagles offense. So that's why I have four of them. And two omissions I have in here for a reason. Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack, I do not have them chipping on the tight end in this game. Even though chipping on the tight end, very important, disrupts routes, buys more time for the safeties in most cases. No, they need to be rushing the passer in this situation. This is a game where I'm thinking less time for Nick Foles in the pocket. They want to talk about this magic that Nick Foles had last year and that he's going to replicate in this year's playoff run. Nip that in the butt. Put the pressure on him. Have your best pass rushers go against the tackles. Get that pressure on the quarterback. Do not allow him to set his feet. Do not allow him to get comfortable and find that security blanket tight end. Make that throw rushed. Have these guys 
within the linebacking core, Trevathan and Roquan Smith, who have proven to be very good at covering so far. And then you have Amos and Jackson, who have also been very well in their own regards as well when it comes to covering. Let your rushers rush, let your cover guys cover, and take away the guy that accounts for a quarter of the Eagles' offense. Either way, even with all those four guys working together, I mean, this is a guy who has gotten a lot of attention. I'm not the first person to look and see that Zach Ertz has 25% of the offense for the Eagles. That's why this matchup is the game breaker of the week. You shut down Zach Ertz, you more than likely shut down the entire Eagles offense. And even with a plethora of four guys, it's still going to be a communication thing. You've still got Trevathan probably communicating with Eddie Jackson or Adrian Amos as to when they're handing off the guy and is within that lapse, within that time that you are transferring him off, that is the window for Nick Foles to hit is going to be paramount between the linebacking core and the safeties to make sure that window is as small as possible, that handoff is as seamless as possible. And sometimes you're even talking about a safety to safety handoff if Zach Ertz is running more of a vertical route, if he's running more of a post or corner route. Probably more on the post side, you're talking about perhaps Amos handing off to Jackson. If it's a shallow crossing route where you're kind of playing a zone coverage, you're talking about Roquan Smith handing off to Drain Trevathan. It is going to be all about communication and shutting down this guy that, like I've mentioned multiple times, accounts for a quarter of the Eagles offense. Game breaker of the week, the most important matchup to win the wild card round for the Chicago Bears right there. We've touched on... All five matchups we're going to go back through with the weekly winning edge, the wild card edition of the winning edge, where I break down which player has the edge in each matchup, has the advantage in each matchup. So we're going to go right back up to the top, Cody Whitehair versus Fletcher Cox. I think that Cody Whitehair is going to struggle in this one. It's Fletcher Cox has played very well all year long. I don't think he's really had a lot of experience with this level of a player lining up right across from him for the entire game. I think we're going to see a little bit of struggle here. I don't think it'll be a huge deal for the Bears to kind of scheme around that. I imagine they've already planned out a little help between James Daniels and Kyle Long, probably giving him a little bit of help at the point of attack. However, at the end of the day, if it's a mono mono matchup, I think that Fletcher Cox here probably holds the edge over Cody Whitehair when it comes to this matchup. And like I mentioned earlier, it's going to be interesting to see if that affects how he snaps the ball because he's had a few problems with that throughout the 2018 season. Very interesting to watch, but I got to give this edge to Fletcher Cox looking at it on paper. And on to matchup number two, we're going to have quarterback Mitchell Trubisky versus safety Malcolm Jenkins. If my impassioned speech earlier did not uh, clue you in, this edge is indeed going to Mitchell Trubisky, the Chicago Bears signal caller. Those splits at home, I like him way too much. I think this is a good matchup for him and overall depleted Philadelphia Eagles secondary. You're going to have just too many weapons, if you ask me, for Trubisky to throw to between Allen Robinson coming back from injury. I think Anthony Miller will still be solid, despite nursing that bum shoulder to an extent. Taylor Gabriel also seemed fine after going off the field for a little bit in that Minnesota Vikings game. Also thrown to the fact that you always got Tariq Cohen to check the ball down to. I think overall Trubisky will have a very efficient day, even with uh, accounting for Malcolm Jenkins roaming around in that secondary edge, Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Just the defensive side of the football end, matchup number three, Eddie Goldman versus Travis Kelsey. Like I said, Eddie Goldman's a guy that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Travis Kelsey, especially after that viral speech that he gave at the Super Bowl parade for the Eagles, a little bit more attention, especially a lot more respect around the league. This is still a matchup, though, I expect to go to Eddie Goldman. He has silently been taking care of business throughout the entire season, and I think he's going to do this again with his first playoff game. Edge is going to the Chicago Bears. I think he's going to get that middle push, cause a lot of problems for Nick Foles throughout the entirety of Sunday afternoon. 
Rolling right on to matchup number four, we have Khalil Mack versus Jason Peters. For me, this is not exactly a question of if, it's a question of when and how. I mentioned this really fun chess match that we are going to get to watch Vic Vangio play against this Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. I think Khalil Mack's going to be on Nick Foles' doorstep for the vast majority of Sunday afternoon. So this matchup has to go to Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears. And that brings us right back to the wildcard game breaker, which will be the likes of Danger Vathan, Roquan Smith, Adrian Amos, and Eddie Jackson, all combining forces to go against Zach Ertz. And this is one where I think the volume of targets going towards Zach Ertz will kind of skew where this matchup goes. I think a number of targets going to Zach Ertz, he just has converted them so many times throughout the season. Even when you think the odds are against it, even when there are two or three guys in coverage on Zach Ertz, Somehow he has just found a way to get open. He has found a way to convert on those opportunities. I don't know what the conversion rate on those opportunities will be, but I do feel that Zach Ertz will have some positive impact for the Eagles in this game. So despite what I imagine a ton of game planning time going towards stopping Zach Ertz, I think that to an extent you're going to have to credit him at the end of the day and say that this matchup even between four players, is going to have to go to Zach Ertz. And perhaps that is why this matchup goes towards Zach Ertz, is that the Bears don't really have a guy that matches up perfectly with Zach Ertz. He's too big for Eddie Jackson to body one-on-one with, and he's a little too fast, a little too slick in route running for either Trevathan or Smith to stay one-on-one with throughout the game. So between those four, I think they will mitigate those opportunities to an extent. I think we'll see a lot of incomplete passes thrown away towards Zach Ertz, but some of those opportunities, especially ones in the red zone, I think Ertz might be able to capitalize on. So I got to give that edge, that game-breaker edge towards the Eagles. However, when you count them up towards the end, that is still three matchups in favor of the Chicago Bears to two for the Philadelphia Eagles. This has been a matchup that a lot of fans across the NFL are looking forward to. And of course, playoff football, returning to the Chicago Bears. Like I always say, I don't consider how many matchups going towards one side will indicate how the game will go. But at the end of the day, I do think how these matchups go out will show that there is a very competitive and overall great playoff matchup to watch at Soldier Field. Like I said, first time that football is back. Playoff football is back at Soldier Field for the first time since 2010. Overall, very exciting. However, we still have some work to do here. I'm not done with you guys yet. Usually, I'm sending you guys over to the fearless leader, Will DeWitt. You're sticking with me here for the three keys that will unlock that wildcard victory for the Chicago Bears. So, without further ado, let's just go right into the first key, which will be taking away Philadelphia's running backs. And that's the likes of Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, and Darren Sproles. I certainly wouldn't call them a three-headed monster, but their production combined is something that the Bears need to target and shut down right away. Let's put this game on Nick Foles' shoulders. So, important things to note about all these backs. They all average just a smidge over four yards a carry. Josh Adams is obviously the guy that has the most production. He has over 511 yards on the year. Smallwood behind that, and then obviously Darren Sproles. Mostly your receiving threat out of the backfield. However, he still averages four yards a carry off about 20 or so totes on the year. Now, what's really interesting is how these guys all work out of the backfield. Obviously, you would think Darren Sproles is the name that stands out as the receiving threat. However, Wendell Smallwood is also very productive out of the backfield as well. Eagles running backs as a whole tally nearly 10 yards after catch for every ball that gets in their hands. Very important to make sure that the Bears are not only suppressing the run, which for the last few weeks has been pretty rough sledding for the Eagles, only averaging a little over three yards per carry per rush. 
However, the, the playoffs is always an interesting time when it comes to developing a running game and stopping a running game. And that kind of, it's a two-way street for any team that enters the playoffs. Some teams will try to find their running game. I think of the 2008 Arizona Cardinals who all of a sudden found a running game despite not having one for the majority of the year. All of a sudden they got Edron James going a little bit. They got Tim Hightower going a little bit. And they kind of rode that to the Super Bowl along with a great performance overall by Larry Fitzgerald and Kurt Warner. And then I also think of stopping the run, which is what the Indianapolis Colts did the same year they met the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. We won't talk any more about that matchup, but... That the Colts overall couldn't stop a nosebleed when it came to stopping the run, but all of a sudden when it came to the playoffs, something flipped and they were able to stop the run. So this is going to be important to make sure that the Eagles all of a sudden do not have a play-action game. Because when you start to get into play-action, then all of a sudden guys like Nelson Aguilar, who are quick guys to get down the field, and Alshon Jeffrey, who even with just a little bit of separation can make those deep balls count, if you don't have play-action, those guys become much smaller threats. So they have to make sure this running game gets stopped, and then also within the passing game, make sure that gets shut down as well. If you take Philadelphia's running backs out of the game, all of a sudden their options become very limited. Zach Ertz is a very good intermediate guy, very good all across the field. I sung his praises plenty of times already. But when you think about Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, you're talking about deeper drops to really cause any type of damage when it comes to an offensive standpoint. You're talking about at least a five-step drop for these guys to really get going, really do what they do best, and that's really working downfield. So if you're taking away those quick options from the running back standpoint, and then Zach Ertz, which we'll harp on a little bit more later, you're really taking away a lot of what this Philadelphia offense will want to do, and that is exactly why it's the first key of the game. If you shut down the Philadelphia Eagles running backs, your chances of victory have to skyrocket because all of a sudden you're really limited of what you can do if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. That will lead us into our second key for victory on wildcard weekend, and that is winning first down on offense for the Chicago Bears. Now, Matt Nagy is a very creative play caller. He knows how to get his athletes the ball in space, and he also knows how to get his athletes the ball in ways that defenses are not predicting. I think of Anthony Miller on jet sweeps. I think of Trey Burton on shovel passes. I think of Akeem Hicks on fullback gives. I kid, but you understand my point. So these tendencies, though, become much less apparent when the offense is behind the sticks. A successful first down play allows for Nagy to keep that creativity on second and third down. When you see a first down run not go well, or you see a screen get batted down at the line of scrimmage, or just not be successful overall, second and 10, you aren't seeing Matt Nagy run the ball. Second and 10, you aren't seeing Matt Nagy do a a ton of different stuff with motions and so on. You're seeing a lot more traditional step back and drop back passes. And that will allow the Eagles with a very short deck at cornerback fall back on some tendencies. It allows the safeties and linebackers to get into their pass drops and help their secondary members more, which is why winning first down is so important. If you have second and five, if you have third and five or less, all of a sudden you have the entire defense forced to play everything that Nagy likes to do. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, that's a lot. Nagy throws a ton of stuff on the film room for every defensive coordinator to study. So if you're imagining all the things that the Eagles want to key on, well, if everything's in play, then they are literally having to slow play and play a process of elimination game, especially at linebacker. Trust me, from doing this for four years at Augustana College, and that's for a less, obviously, complicated offenses for college level than NFL level, if 
I am not able to harp on tendencies based on down and distance, then I'm literally playing a game of process of elimination, which makes me slower to my break, slower to my zone, slower to my run fit as well. And that just makes it so much harder to play defense as a whole. If Matt Nagy can win first down and the Bears offense can win first down, all of a sudden I think those weaknesses for the defensive secondary, and like I mentioned a few times already, at cornerback specifically is going to be greatly exposed for the Philadelphia Eagles. So winning first down on offense will make everything just so much smoother going down the road for the Chicago Bears when it comes to the offensive side of the football and obviously scoring a lot of points for the Chicago faithful. Our third key for this week in this game is going to be redundant, and it's going to be stopping Zach Ertz. And I know I talk so much about what he does for this Eagles offense for the matchups portion, but I can't stress to you how abnormal it is for receiving option to be so much of a team's overall offensive output. The last player who I can remember from an all-purpose standpoint being so important to a team's success was Matt Forte for the Chicago Bears. I mean, if you need a comparison for what Zach Ertz is to this offense, it is a, if Zach Ertz is shut down, think about watching a Bears game between 2008 and 2012 where Matt Forte had a bad game or Matt Forte got shut down. I mean, that was darn near miserable for the most part because he was so much of what the Bears did as an offense overall for so many years. And that's what Zach Ertz has turned into over the last couple of years, but this year more than anything else. If you're taking away Zach Ertz and if you're, if you, key on the first thing I talked about, which is taking away Philly's running backs. Who do you really have that scares you on that offense? You have Alshon Jeffrey, who obviously is a deep threat, and you have Nelson Aguilar, who is obviously a deep threat, and that leads to what I mentioned earlier, five to seven step drops. So now all of a sudden, you got guys like Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack, and Akeem Hicks, who can pin their ears back for a five to seven step drop. That is a lot of time for guys like that to bear down on a quarterback. And that is good news for the Chicago Bears, especially if you're able to stop between the Eagles running backs and then Zach Ertz as well. So that's obviously the third key, most important. It's my key matchup. That is what stopping Zach Ertz will essentially put the Eagles offense in total flux. So to go back over it, three keys to unlock a Chicago Bears wildcard round victory. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Three, take away Philly's running backs. Do not allow those easy dump-off options to Nick Foles and do not allow them to get a play-action game. It will make their offense overall very stagnant and reliant on one person who we'll get to after we mention the second key to the game, winning first down on offense. Do not allow linebackers and safeties to exploit down-and-distance tendencies. Keep all your offensive playbook open on second and third down. It will make that cornerback spot very vulnerable for the Eagles as it is very, very depleted at this point in time. And then going back to that last guy that you're really going to have an option on, on any step drop, any passing route for the Philadelphia Eagles, stopping Zach Ertz on any play is going to be paramount for the Chicago Bears to achieve victory on defense, making sure that Philadelphia offense stays off the field. If the Bears accomplish these three tasks, I'll be talking to you next week when we're talking about a divisional date against Los Angeles Rams. Until that point, 
I very much hope you enjoy this game. It's going to be a bumping atmosphere at Soldier Field. I'm looking forward to contributing to it. I'll be at the game myself, and hopefully in just a week we'll be talking about divisional matchups. Very much looking forward to it, but until that time, bear down, Chicago. personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.